Mic check, mic check. Once upon a time, not long ago, where people wore pajamas and lived life slow, where laws were stern and justice stood, and people were behaving like they are too good, there lived a little boy who was misled by another little boy, and this is what he said, meaning you, man, we're going to make some cash, robbing old folks and making the dash. Boom, classic slick Rick the Ruler. Hello, America. Hello, world. Hello, you, it is your new best friend, Cashmere, California, and this is the Pod is Good podcast, aka the Notorious P.I.G. Episode 49. Pod is good, and all the time, if you know, you know. If you don't keep listening, you will learn. Today, I brought back everyone's favorite little cousin. Oh my goodness, we got her back once again. This is this has been my year. This has been my month. I got her back again. We're gonna talk business. I know y'all love when 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 young Nikki come through dropping the knowledge, you know what I'm saying? And and she's a perfectionist about it, you know what I'm saying? She's she's very specific with what she says. And she came to me and was like, yo, cuz I want to give him a little more. I felt like we went into a spot, we talked about it, but we didn't talk about it. She wanted to come back and talk about it. So, of course, of course, we opened the studio door. So, let's get it going. Cuzzo! Hey, how's it going? I'm good. I'm better now. (laughs) I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I I don't even play the numbers, and somehow I still. I know. I know. I know. I I was doing some reflection. You know, every every time I do one of these Mm -hmm. podcasts or speaking, I just want to do some reflection and be like. Did did it did the message come through like I wanted it to come through? Yes. And I was doing some reflection last night. I was like, no, nah, not for like sometimes it did, but I don't know. I feel like I misspoke on some <laughs> of the things. And so I'm like, take that one down. Let's run it back. <laughs> Let's run it back. Well, that's the beauty of uh of this um uh, pl- platform that we're on is that we can jump on at any given time. We can uh, somewhat erase the past by clarifying, you know what I mean? By putting forth new information to say, okay, hey, you know, just like me, I'm going to be honest. My my team got slaughtered yesterday. Mm. The Dallas Cowboys got slaughtered. And well, so for somebody like me, I'm good. That's your team. I would feel like you would be used to the heartbreaking disappointment that comes with being a Dallas Cowboys fan. <laughs> I'll be honest, you you got a point. point. It is part of the fans' lifestyle. You know, it's it's a few of us out there. You know, the Steelers, they got to live that life. You know, a few of us, we just kind of used to the disappointment year for year. I think what makes it tough is the media. You know, the the media don't pump up the other teams like they pump up our teams. I feel like every sports fan is a little disappointed when their team don't do well. But the Cowboys, they they be pumping that team up. Like, oh, look at them. Oh, they back. And then the fans are like, they are? Really? <laughs> okay. And then, yeah. no, they're not. They're mm. not. Two tears they're in the bucket. 
<laughs> so even with that, you know, I have to come on tomorrow uh, on the scoreboard show and talk about how I was wrong in my prediction for what was going to happen in this game. So I understand wanting to kind of wish you could turn the clock back a little bit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I think what we were talking about that you wanted to add some clarity to is you made a great point in saying that, you know, live it, working in the corporate world, there is a certain dance, right? There is a certain game that you have to be willing to play. You even made the point to say, hey, if you don't like the game, maybe you want to do something else. You know what I mean? Not every game is for everybody, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And I brought up the fact that how do you deal with or how do you advise someone deal with the frustrations, the cultural frustrations of watching um, people from outside of your culture, right? You know, the, the more prominent culture that we see in, in the corporate world, mm-hmm. how you watch them ascend without playing the game. Yeah. They, they, they don't have to follow the rules that you follow, but day to day, in all of your responses, all of your communications, whether it's an email response, whatever it is, you feel like you're constantly having to play the game and you still might get overlooked. Yeah, yeah. How, yeah. So, so so, what would you like to, 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 to clarify in that sense? Yeah, so I think, you know, yesterday in that context, you know, I, I, I will say that I, I stand by what I mean, what I said in that, that, that person is playing the game as well. It's a, it's the same game, different tactics, because we are looked at under a microscope and, you know, th- that unconscious bias that other people have on what we represent and what we bring to the table is still there. It's going to be there. Um, and that's something that, you know, we got to navigate but I also don't want to minimize the fact that everybody is playing a game as well. Yeah. Um, and so that that person, you know, they may come from and, and I'll say this. The reason why I say that is because COVID happened and when COVID happened, it leveled a lot of that playing field, no. especially in corporate America, because now more companies more than ever, their teams are remote. There is no cultural, this is how we do it in the South. This is half 50% of your team lives somewhere else in the country and has different experiences, different perspective that they're bringing to the table. That levels the playing field so much so that even in my team, some of my team is not even in the United States. They're in Europe. That adds a different kind of cultural play to it because uh, I'll say this, one member of my team is Italian. She has a strong accent, but also culturally, she speaks in a way that is very passionate, but it comes across as aggressive and argumentative. And that's a cultural difference that she's like feeling like it's a hurdle for her that she's going to have to overcome because that that's a difference within her communication style and how it comes across to other people. So So I say that to say everybody is playing a game to some extent. And COVID being with remote teams and everybody being virtual these days has helped kind of lay, level the playing field and let more stuff is accessible to you. Like now you can just ping, you know, a VP. Before, you, it wasn't like they could walk in the hallway past your cubicle and you can stop and have a chit-chat with them. But because we're all remote, everybody feels a little bit more accessible. Interesting enough, um, 
when you think about the physical distance, like people are more further away from each other, um, but they feel like they can communicate in a different way. And primarily because we're used to communicating a lot on social media. And so you get that internet courage, right? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm a schedule of one-to-one coffee session and yeah. it doesn't feel as much of a lift. And so I say all that to say that there's tactics and a different way that everybody has to approach it. Um, but I don't, I don't want to discourage anyone because the hurdles aren't as tall as they used to be pre COVID. Um, and so the, the playing field is a little bit more level now, but there's still obviously still a whole lot of bias out there, still a lot of stuff. Um, but because so much of our work is remote, some of the cultural nuances that come out in our style and our language and the way we speak isn't as prevalent in a virtual situation. And so all you see is the top up from me and you don't see, you know, how I'm dressing or whatever. I just got to make sure I got a shirt on. So (laughs) it's the original metaverse with no bottom. I don't know why I even added the bottom. Like, this, yeah. is, this is what we're used to. Yeah. We don't know five legs yeah. right now. So, you know, in your, my hair, I have locks. So, yeah. you know, your hair, but some of that cultural stuff, those nuances that we used to worry about, uh. COVID level, because now you don't care that I got locks. All you care about is make sure I'm online, I'm emailing back when I'm supposed to. You know what I mean? And so, it doesn't yeah. matter what my hair look like. I'm at home. Yeah. So. Wow. So do you, would you say in some ways that there is no game now? Or if so, are there like multiple games? How would you define the game now? You know what I'm saying? Like before it was very identifiable. You kind of knew who the hierarchy was. You knew what they looked like. You knew kind of how they communicated with each other. You understood who was on the outside of that. But now, as you say, people might be in different countries. You may not be able to actually see the person so it's a whole new dynamic as far as culture goes so what is the new corporate culture yeah um that's a good question i think that there is still obviously a game you still have to politic um and some of that gets a little harder where on one end you might feel like people are more accessible but on the other end again you're not seeing them in the cafeteria you know, in the hallway or by the water cooler. And so building that relationship with someone who can then, you know, advocate and speak your name in rooms that you're not in, building that relationship gets a little bit dip- more difficult because you you are in a different type of environment. And so um, some of those softer skills you still need to be mindful of. You can still read the room, but just the room is virtual now. You just got to pay attention to an email thread or how a meeting is conducted or, you know, just different other kind of softer skills that you might not pick up on. Communication, you know, that as a competency, more people are going to pay attention to that because that's all that they have to go on your written and verbal communication. Um, and then, you know, some of those. Yeah, I, I, I feel like the tactics, there is still a game. How you play it is a little bit different, but yeah, I think you can be successful if you just tighten up on some softer skills like communication. You still got to be able to work with a team. You still got to show up as a decision maker, as someone who can influence and persuade, Um, but the way you do that just looks different. So you kind of touched on it a bit, but I just want to ask it very directly. Has it gotten easier for a Black woman in the corporate world? 
has it gotten easier? I wouldn't even, I wouldn't go so far because it was pretty darn hard. I mean, the bar was low. <laughs> the bar was very, very, very low. <laughs> low, low, low. Yeah, low. So when, you, I mean, easier is relative to where the bar <laughs> It was just so deep down in the gutter that being better than that was is a win, but oh. <laughs> okay, okay. Let me take it, let me say it a different way. Has it gotten easier for women in the corporate world? And I'm saying that specifically because I know women had a lot of fights with the corporate um structure, the, the patriarchy that kind of existed, being able to break those walls down, being able to shine, not being able, I mean, not being um, sexualized, not being minimized because they are a woman and things of that nature and they go through womanly things and all of that. Do you feel like this new virtual world has made it uh, a bit easier for a woman to excel or has, or is it pretty much just the same? To excel, uh, I don't, I don't know that it, it'll, I will say easier. Um, I don't know that I would say easier. I, I there are, mm, it, it's easier to, to, yeah, some of those things that you talked about, you know, not being worried about being sexualized or, you know, um, someone minimizing you. But I still see it happen in virtual situations where women get talked over or their right. ideas are discounted at a meeting or, you know, they'll say something and people just basically act like everybody's on mute. Nobody's saying anything and, you know, won't acknowledge them. Um, so I've seen that happen. I've also, you know, one of the things we talked about yesterday was how people change over time. So you might be a woman that's fighting the power and then you become VP of communications and all of a sudden you're subscribing to that same patriarchy because it's helping you move within that circle and right. be successful in that circle. And so where you used to care about some of those things. And so when you think about, is it easier? It may have gotten that person there. Did she make it easier for other people? Probably not um, in some, in some instances. And so, Unfortunately, I see that more often than I'd like to when women leaders um, reach a certain level and, and feel like they then have to be the middle-aged white guy jerk who is, you know, subscribing to the system of patriarchy because they want to keep their position. And so since you've seen it kind of both sides, pre and post, yeah, how would you speak to that woman that's out there now that's looking to, you know, uh, elevate to that position one day to get that C that C-suite role in the company. Mm -hmm. And you know that I've, I've seen you. I've seen you, sister. Mm -hmm. I've seen you get there and you kind of might change. Is there any general um, advice that you would want to give that person so that maybe they do hold to their values a little, a little tighter? Yeah. One of the things I would say has always kept me grounded. One, I feel like when you in community and doing community work, you see such uh, real authentic experiences in the world that it keeps, it's a constant reminder that, 
Yes, you VP is such and such company, but it's people out here really could use a benefit from, you know, your service in some type of way. Um, and so to a woman who I would give that advice to would just keep a mentee, keep someone who you want to consistently reach back and help and build a relationship with and see them grow and blossom and see them become because it keeps your perspective of where you came from and who you were. And so when you get to a level of COO, you remember this young girl whose career you also helped grow and she's a mid-level manager now. Um, but you keep perspective on what that experience is really like. And, all, and also having a mentee relationship, they're talking to you about their struggles as they climb. Yeah. And they and they might be talking to their little sister who's in college and the struggles that they are having as they climb. And so you, it keeps it keeps you remembering that that doesn't go away because you got there. Uh, because that mentee, that person that you're consulting and helping and building a relationship with, they going through it right now today like you were 10 years ago. Yeah, and so what yeah. can you do? What now you need to think about action. Now you need to think about how you can really be of service. And so if I would say, you know, if I was advising somebody, make sure you keep a mentor and keep a mentee. Paying it forward. I like that. Um, do you have a mentee currently? I don't have, I, I have two that I keep in touch with that I've kept in touch with over the years. I wouldn't say I'm in an active relationship where like I'm mentoring them, but we reach out, we go have lunch and we kind of talk about things. A lot of it is just personal stuff. They're navigating while they navigate the work stuff um that i keep in touch with it not as often as i like but yeah yeah okay uh well, i know we're getting close to the event you know what i mean we're at least 24 hours closer than we were the last time we spoke yes. <laughs> how um how are things going as we get a little closer you get nervous you know how do you get during game time yeah um uh, anxious anxious really anxious um, just wanting everything to go right. I am nervous just because I just got a lot of traveling coming up. And so there's some things I won't be here to do um, as I gear up for the workshop. And so I'll, I'll need to kind of navigate some of that. Um, but I think, you know, let me tell you how God work, because I told you yesterday, you know, how much money this cost to me and how much out of pocket. But I wanted to be sure one of the things that I also mentioned yesterday is this information isn't always accessible to 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 the people who need it. Um, and we have such great sponsors, you know, who are in business banking, personal banking, home loan officer, you know, people who help entrepreneurs save money, budget, all that stuff. They will be in the building. And so I wanted to be sure that this was accessible um, for people who might not otherwise have access to this information. So this young lady reached out. I told you a bunch of friends have been donating tickets and I had some free tickets. I had some tickets, some donated tickets, um, but they went pretty quickly. I made a Facebook status. They were gone. This young lady reached out yesterday and she was like, hey, do you still have any free tickets me and you know my girlfriend want to go we're about to start a business we could really use this information I want to get better about my money you know we're moving in together and they were just and I said hey what I can do I said the free tickets are gone but I'll give you a discount I'll give you like 
two tickets at half the cost, right? And she said, man, um, and I gave her a special promo code. It was her name and everything. And she was like, man, I'm, you know, I'm so thankful, but I just had to pay $500 for a surgery I had. And, you know, I really just don't have it, um, but I try to catch it next time. And this is this is what this work is for, for her, for what she wants to do. I mean, literally, people who do not have access, who want to be in the room. And yeah. I said, you know what? And I'm in the hole already because I didn't give away quite a few free tickets. <laughs> I'm in the hole already, okay? I said, you know what? You go online, use this promo code, you'll get two free tickets. She's like, oh my God, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And wow. so, you know, that was wow. that was that. Didn't think nothing of it. Yeah. Cousin, check my email 30 minutes later, and a mortgage company offered to sponsor for $500. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on, God. Come on, God. Wow. <laughs> And so I remember this, when God has an assignment on your life, when he has given you purpose, and and you got to remember, like, come on, God, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I have, because I work every day, nine to five, you know, I got a real job. (laughs) I got bills. (laughs) You know, who, 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 I don't have it, right? But some way, it's coming together. And, and, and when, when your heart is pure and you like, okay, I'm just gonna walk in faith. You want I'm you want me to just give free tickets away, God? All right, I'm giving free tickets away. And he said, Remember, I got you. Remember I got you. you. I got you. That is beautiful. Later. You don't usually happen that quick, huh? <laughs> you don't be right, 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 right. Oh my goodness. Well, yeah. So when I, I'm excited because I know this event is anointed, I know it's supposed oh. to happen. Even Absolutely. though I'm exhausted, even though I'm broke, even though <laughs> even all the things, I know that this you know. is going to bless somebody. And that'll energize you. Mm-hmm. That'll, that'll energize you. Because I'm pretty sure as, as exhausted as you are, even that little moment yeah. like reinvigorated something. You know, even for a short moment in time, it was like you forgot all about yeah. <laughs> all the other stuff that you've had to do. It was like, ooh, okay. Okay, God, keep working. Yeah, keep working yeah. On, on working on all of this through me. I like it. Yeah, you yeah. Be that vessel. Yeah, so yeah, it's right. coming up, and and you know one of the things I was reading uh, an update on Elon Musk. You know, one of the things I I learned in the financial services industry was the the wealth disparity. When you think about Elon Musk and how much money he has, the wealth disparity in this country is ginormous. We can't even wrap our heads around the fact that this man has billions with an S. You go how many? Let me put this in. People think and we we can't we can't fathom how much money that is. We ain't never seen it. A million dollars. Let's see if you have a hundred a hundred dollar bill. And you stack up a, a million, um, up to a million dollars in a three feet, about the size of a chair. You stack a billion dollars in a hundred dollar bills. It is still a mile higher than the tall, the world's tallest building. 
That is how much a million dollars <laughs> and a billion is. And we're down here somewhere. <laughs> and we're thousand and, and if I was to go and play play Jenga with his stack of money and just pull one little hundred out, he got a problem with it. Yeah. And so Come the twelve, and so you you wanna okay, so why is that? And then you think about um, the access, the understanding of money, it's a mindset thing. It, it's just because um, we think about it in dollars and cents, but it's a mindset. We needed money to survive. Now, some of us did come from money and we had wealth in our family's own land and all of that. I ain't saying we all came up broken homeless and all that because there's a diversity of richness in the black experience. But over time, systemically, the world has taken pieces of that along the way through Jim Crow, redlining, and housing, discrimination and all, you know, the crack. Well, just the up coming in and burning it up. And burning it up, okay? Massacre. I, I can't find a loophole. I'm just going to no, burn it up. Just going to burn it up, okay? So they've taken pieces of that wealth. We needed it to survive. People in other cultures needed it. was something that they made. It was something that worked for them. They, they, they were entitled to it. I, of course I would have money. That is how I established myself as a, you know, a, a, as a landowner who can vote as, you know, an upstanding member of the community. I have authority because I'm entitled. They have a different understanding of what money is and what we needed it to be, be able to eat. Okay. So when we grow up with a survival mindset about money, we, we treat it as like either we hoard it, we just hold on to it, put it underneath the mattress because we're scared somebody going to take it away from us. Or we just do what we can and we don't necessarily, we, we need to survive right now. We don't have anything to leave. I need to just be sure we, we can bury granddaddy. We ain't got no whole huge life insurance policy. Okay. Cause that means you got to pay more a month on it and we ain't got it like that. So yes. when you think or, about or, or the third, the third one, or we're wasteful with mm -hmm. it. And we purchase yeah. uh, tons yeah. of liabilities mm -hmm. and we, we are the yeah. highest spender in mm -hmm. The, the brands and the clothing. Because we're, and chasing, we're chasing a survival tactic of I need to look like that to establish myself because I, I wasn't born with, I need to establish myself as an upstanding right. man. And so you you have this persona of what you're trying to to be and you need money to get there. And yeah, so we, we just have a different understanding. I learned through that in working in financial services, that's, that's ground zero. I mean, your background and your understanding of money is ground zero. And some True. folks, True. and not to everybody who has an investment account is a millionaire, but they grew up understanding that you got to leave something, you got to put something away. And we just didn't have a whole lot to put away. And so right. there were no life. When you think about how people leverage life insurance, when somebody died, it ain't just the house. It's you when you got a big life insurance policy, somebody going to college, a couple people going to college on that. No, what that mean? No student loan debt in the future. I ain't got to worry about that when I'm trying to qualify for a house when I'm 30. Okay. Yeah, so you yeah, see yeah. the residual aspect of like we, we just trying to bear granddaddy. Remember, we 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 got $25,000 life insurance policy. That's about it. But these folks got a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars, three hundred thousand dollars because they on, even if they had no assets to protect, 
They mm-hmm. used it as a vehicle to yes. build wealth. And we didn't have that understanding of how to use some of this stuff out in the world that we didn't even know existed as True. vehicles to build wealth. We True. just didn't know. We didn't have access to that information. And, and, so even, when we, and even when we did, we had, um, you know, our generation right before us, they were, they had less than us. So then they taught us fear. They Don't be did. listening about that. Don't be, no, don't, don't put your money in that. Oh, that's probably some kind of scheme. That's probably, no, that ain't going to work. You know, we we got fed that. And so now we walk around skeptical of everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that might work for you. It ain't going to work for me. That yeah. might work for them. It ain't going to work for us. Yeah, and that's the thing. It, you know, we were taught a part of that fear because if it ain't real and tangible, we were taught money is to be earned. If you didn't go to work and clock in and make that check and go cash that check at a bank and then you got cold hard cash in your hand, then it's nothing. It's just a figment of imagination. We talking about the stock market. Right. Now, right. other people understood that money could be made. You can you you can earn it and you can make it. Meaning, I don't go nowhere and it's it's doing some stuff for me and doubling itself over. And so they started to invest and bonds and things like that. And, you know, we, we'll get we'll get somebody a $20 bond for their birthday gift. We buy when they one years old, go cash it in when you're 18, it's worth 25 now. So, <laughs> <laughs> but we didn't, <laughs> but we did not really understand the stock market and, you know, yeah. uh, 401ks and how to leverage, you know, you, you can, Instead of refinancing your house or doing some of these other things, like you could, you know, take a loan out on your 401k and go, you know, put a down payment out on your house and then use it. Like we didn't know how to move money around in different assets as well to because people, other folks get credit. We were so scared of credit. I'm putting on no credit card. You ain't got cash to pay for it. You know, right. but they, they leverage credit every day. They leverage credit yeah. to make more money. Every and day. we didn't know. We didn't. And, you know, a lot lot of people, you know, for a while now, there's been a movement of trying to stop talking about slavery, like Mm. stop blaming slavery. But so many issues date back to slavery. And Mm -hmm. I don't feel like... Pretty much all of them. (laughs) I don't feel like many people are as sensitive as they should be to understanding the, the the black existence in America and what slavery did. But even if you just take that little piece about money, you gotta remember, we, we came out of our first people here, watched money be traded to sell us. That's already creating a certain idea about money. You're already, it, it's already evil now to you. It already is a certain thing. You were born into this. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll buy him. And you see money, money money and so the next thing you know by the time we get free and like you said now we have to survive so now what are we doing we only have a couple of skills and most of them have to do with labor so we're out doing labor to try to get money and so money started out as this evil thing that is obviously like almost anti-life to us anti-freedom to us it's suppressive to us and then later on, it's just something that I have to do, possibly a demeaning job, clean it up after somebody just so I can get enough of it to, to, to live at a poverty level. Yeah. So yeah. our and, whole and, you know, view of money is completely different. And 40 
too, I get so angry about, you know, people aspiring to be billionaires because there are 42 million people living in poverty. 42 in the one of the wealthiest countries in the world. 42 million people are living in poverty. And the our poverty line is real low. So imagine all those people. And these ain't these some of these people go to work every day. Yeah. That's the crazy part about it. Everybody right. has this aspect of like they're so far removed from poor people. And you really aren't. You much further removed from the 1% and the 5% and the 10% and the 20% of the country than you are uh because you're about two, three, four paychecks away from being right. that person. one incident. Most people, one yeah. incident, one car incident, one yeah. I didn't have insurance, burnt up the kitchen incident, like one situation away from being right there. Yeah. And so to your point about like, the, you know, slavery, the connection of slavery, when you think about historically what has kept us from wealth, what has they, like you said it, they burning up your land, there, there go your money, right? But your family's legacy is out the door. The land your granddaddy tilled and toiled is out the door. They burnt it up. Then you try to go get some, you know, a loan. They deny you because you don't got no credit because they just burnt up your land. So you can't. So now you're renting, you're sharecropping, you know, doing what you can. And they scheming and scamming and taking everything off the top. So you can't save nothing. You just right. literally living off. And so now your kids can't go to college. They got to work the land and share crop with you. So that's two, three more generations. That's working the land because they there are no other options, like you said. Then yeah. somebody break free. Somebody get all right, baby. We're gonna pull some money. The church gonna give a scholarship. We're gonna pull some mm -hmm. money together. You going to college, baby. Mm -hmm. And this person go to college and, and you know, and they try to get first of all, they discriminated against in the classroom, you know, the professors, because they ain't supposed to be there. You black. What, what you doing? You know, because they harassed and discriminated, discriminated against, and they try and they get it. They get that degree. They do what they can. Now they got an interview with a beautiful black name on a resume. Now you just, you know, it's 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 all the way. It it's so hard, and yeah. you think about systemically when you think when you think about redlining and housing discrimination and even equal pay like we talked about last time we still ain't making a whole dollar a whole dollar compared to the white man you know what i mean black men make less than that white women make less than that black women make less than that hispanic women make less than and they just keep on going down and so yeah. we ain't even making a whole dollar yet and it's 2023 so you think about the disparity you can't even get to a place where you feel like you're running the same race, you're playing the same game because systemically the odds are against you. But when you learn what that game is, when you learn that there are tactics that you can play along the way, you can educate yourself, use your resources, figure out how to move some money around, um, you know, what's happening in your community so you can participate in some of these conversations and don't be intimidated by money. Don't be intimidated by the topic. And also share about, you know, your family because there may be some some trauma with money. Somebody got robbed, somebody, you know, you know, uh, betrayed somebody or whatever the trauma might be in your family regarding money. But I think that there's ways that ultimately you can get over all of that and 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 do what God puts you on this earth to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's another angle of looking at the disparity and why it's so 
great. I mean, there's the obvious that we've just kind of talked about, but if you did want to focus on some potential um, optimism in those numbers is, is to also say that America allows for such a high ceiling. You know, there are other countries that um, even the more, even the, the, the more well-to-do because of the opportunities allowed in their specific country or region, they just might not be as high as what they are here. And so you're going to get an even greater different differential out of those two numbers um, when you have a ceiling that's so high. So that at least says something that it's out there, you know, it may be like you're saying challenging um, and you need to be tactful of, of uh, arriving there, but the, the availability of it is this, but you shine a light on something uh, indirectly by saying, uh, by uh, stating all of the the headway that they've had uh, in this race and how we're kind of just getting there and still realizing that there are uh, grandfathered in systemic structures that keep us outside the room. So now my question is, what are your feelings on the difference of corporate life versus entrepreneurial life, a life where you need to play the game uh, in in it that where you know someone else is always going to be a little bit further ahead, right? Mm -hmm. Even when you play the game well, even when you find yourself in that room, likely either somebody else in the room has a higher title than you or somebody else owns the room and they let you be in there and, and run the company or going down the entrepreneurial road that might allow you to own and run everything your way, but may not have uh, the type of depth or grandfathered in backing or market share or respect level, whatever you, however you want to look at it, that that corporation life might have given you. Can you freeze? You look like you froze. Uh, deep. Um, okay, there, there she go. All right. All right. Are you there? Okay, yeah. no, no, you, you back. Now while we restore the connection. Am I restored? You are you are restored. Did you, did you hear my question or no? I did, I did, I did hear your question. You froze for me, so but I did hear your question, I think. Okay. Um, which is um you asked me about entrepreneurship and corporate. So I will say, you know, I know as an entrepreneur as a former entrepreneur and friends and family who I know are entrepreneurs. There's still a game at play. And I'll give you an example at the end of one that has systemic issues tied to it as well. I don't know that some of the experiences that we have um, as Black Americans are uh, just specific to corporate. I think that there are some that we deal with even as entrepreneurs. And the example that I would give you as a friend of mine wanted to open up the first and um, the, the first Nigerian restaurant in downtown St. Louis. Huh. And in order to open up his restaurant, you got to get, first of all, the buy-in of the other business owners in the community to right. get the permits and all that other stuff, especially if you want to have a liquor license. Sure. And there were, uh, you know, active things at play to keep him from being approved for the permits that he needed to open up his business to keep him from getting the signatures he get it. I mean, he it was a really a full-on assault. And it got so far as to when he was remodeling his business, people would come in and be stealing materials um, uh -huh. that the contractors had left, you know. 
in there and so costing okay. him money. And yeah. so I will say, you know, in instances like that, there are there's still a game, there's still something hurdles against you. Um, and I don't know, you know, even for you think about algorithms on social media, even if you're doing purely digital, I mean, there could be things somebody could flag one of your posts and now nobody sees your, your advertisements and nobody sees that you ain't getting no likes, comments, subscribes, nothing. And yeah. so you even build your, your brand. Cause some, you know, there's a full on assault that way. Um, so I think that there are, while there may not be the politicking that you navigate within corporate where you feel like someone, you can see it right in front of you that they got a leg up. I do think it, even in an entrepreneur space, regardless of industry, there may be all still systemic things that exist that can keep you and your business from thriving too. So, yeah, yeah, no, that's true. That makes sense. Um, you know, earlier you brought up or you kind of said a few times about having access to information. And that's something that we haven't uh, really had, you know, uh, looking back at our history here. And, and and it's getting better. You know what I mean? The the information age, you know, a lot of us actually starting to occupy those spaces um, and, and be in those rooms to hear that information and then divulging that information to others and paying it forward. I think that that has been a beautiful thing. So now I ask you, you brought up some uh, some some financial secrets um, that you might have gotten being in those rooms and that you would like to bless us with. So I want would love to know for for myself, <laughs> the entire pop is good community. You know, what uh what financial secrets can you share that you've learned, uh, Dr. First of all, I don't know that I said secrets, so you said it. What I will say is, so yeah, so some of the things that I learned working in financial services, we kind of, I kind of sprinkled a little bit of it in when you talked about life insurance and leveraging mm -hmm. that um, to build your assets and, and wealth portfolio. Um, also, the different types of life insurance, uh, too, so you can have, um, oh my God. Like diversify. Yeah. And then there's. And so you can and you can take you can uh, take loans against them. So if you need to pay for health insurance and things like that, also with health insurance, HSAs and building money within those accounts for tax deductions, um, that sort of thing, using your FSA and those sorts of things, um, being a business owner and how much stuff you can deduct off your taxes uh, and how much stuff that they um those, you know, larger companies, maybe mid to larger size companies use um, as leverage to gain additional assets. Um, leaving a will, you know, we don't like to talk about it, but, you know, we don't. And then everybody's fighting over stuff and then they end up just selling it because they don't want to deal with it anymore. Uh, who's going to take the house and who's going to do this and who's going to do that. And we just have so much conflict in our families when somebody died because nobody left the wheel. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, that um, well, well, Before you go to the next one, I just want to plug um, one of the previous guests very recently, um, uh, my man David uh, Simmons, who came on and he created um, what he calls the Comfort 
action plan. Okay. The comfort action plan is designed exactly for that. It's life planning or estate planning um, that basically it allows you to put in things like power of attorney or who does your will. And I mean, all the way down to like, um, you know, usernames and passwords on your devices, uh, pin numbers, you know, if you have a safety deposit box where the keys are, you know, all kinds of things. It goes through and, and it and it does it in a in a kind of a, a fun way. I hate to use that term, but the, he tries to do it in a fun way so that it doesn't have that that stench of dealing yeah. with, you know, afterlife planning that um, that this can have. And that, like you were just saying, we all kind of stay away from. And then he has this journal that uh, the person would do kind of like basically, obviously before leaving this life, but it talks about them putting in, you know, like oh, writing wow. down their life, their dreams, their philosophy, their achievements, what their inspirations were, like a whole nother level of kind of paying it forward and knowing a little bit about your history and 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 all those things. And so wow. I just wanted to put that out there. It's called My Cap Plan. It's the Comfort Action Plan uh, by uh, David Simmons. It's really, really good. So that's beautiful. That's yeah. amazing. Yep, exactly that. Exactly that kind of stuff. Um, that's a beautiful resource to help guide some of these conversations. Um, yeah. Another thing, you know, that was really interesting that I was learning was women starting to take more control over their finances and thinking about um, their own financial portfolio. So, you know, from a woman's perspective, I don't know how many people know this, but women really couldn't even get a bank account or a credit card until the 1970s on their own. That's a fact. On their own, without, without, they, a, husband. without a husband. Without a and husband. Without a husband, yeah. So much. We didn't have a separate savings account or something in case something went down. We, we, If that man left with his second family, we, mama was doing what she was cleaning houses and scrubbing toilets, do what she had to do to feed the kids. There yeah. was no savings account. She couldn't even go to the bank and open one. It wouldn't even have a conversation with her until 1972. Yeah. And yeah. so when you think about women's understanding of money and how it was a means of survival, I mean, even when we got to the point of now women can open up bank accounts and, and credit cards and all that, it wasn't for black women. We were still at work. We were still yeah. doing we had it wasn't for black women. And so we would still get denied at the banks. And we when it came to opening up businesses and getting loans and things like that, these other folks, they was divorcing their husbands because now I don't need you. You can take you and your second family and go somewhere. <laughs> and so now I don't need you. And I'm divorcing you, taking half of your money and going to open up me a business. And they will start their legacy that way. Meanwhile, we ain't nobody divorcing nobody and getting half of nothing. Okay. <laughs> you're, gonna stay, you're gonna give me half your check and you're going about your business down the street, but you need to bring some money in this. <laughs> so you know, and we wasn't and there was no, you know, divorce settlement. I'm taking half of starting me a business, right. you know right. what I mean? So yeah. We didn't even have that leg up. Uh, yeah, so yeah. about kind of how we even diverged from that experience as black sure. women. And so when women, st one of the things that I was learning working in investments was like 
are that even mindset led you down a whole nother track of like, do you have money and what can you do with it? What are the possibilities um, available to you? And um, another thing that I would, you know, I'm this is controversial, but there is um, there has been a movement of black women getting a whole lot of education, making and now they're the six-figure breadwinners in some of these households. Now, women have went, black women have been going to get some degrees and get some really good jobs. And so <laughs> to my wife. Shout out to my wife. She did that. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead, wife. There you go. Wife. Yeah, <laughs> and so and our generation being millennials are getting married later than our previous generations. Yeah. And so these women are building their own lives. They have, they're going to buy their house. They're not really waiting until they get married sometimes anymore. Mm. You know, they have cars now. They have businesses by the time they're 35. They got two, three, four businesses, LLCs, you know what I mean? Yeah, and, yeah. You know, and they have their, they have a home now and they, all these assets now. Some of them like, I might need to give me a prenup, and that's okay. That is all right. I am no prenup, okay? Is it okay? But is it? But is it okay? I'll make this very clear. I know this is very controversial, but I am all about people having conversations about money, whatever that means for them, and setting themselves up in a position that is going to be advantageous for everybody involved. You can set up a prenup to where. While we like each other, now listen, people feel All right, like, let's talk. Let's talk. Take the gloves off. Let's no, talk. Because people, well, I would say this people feel like, well, you starting a conversation about divorce and splitting up assets and other. All right, fine. That's fine. Statistically, 50% of y'all going to get divorced. Okay, let's just. <laughs> and so I got friends. I'm 34 years old. I got friends that's already divorced. Okay, so. <laughs> What I'm saying to you is don't be afraid. If you know you 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 came into this, this situation with something and this don't work out, I would just want to say, writing up an agreement to say, hey, baby, if this don't work out, you've got your stuff going on. I'm not going to take nothing from you. And I got my stuff going on. You ain't going to take nothing from me. And we're going to be cool. And you can set up however you want to word it, set it up so we're working both of y'all. That's fine. But I'm pro- Prenup, especially See, if you're here's a here's the issue. Here's the issue. Let me speak for y'all, man. I know y'all out there. I know y'all like you? yeah, yeah, yeah. Because see, men, I, men, because we are very rational creatures. I do think that a man could accept that conversation a little differently. I do think that if I was talking to somebody, let's say you know I run up on Riri, right? You know, ASAP. Sorry, sorry. Just just for conversational purposes. Let's say Riri is like, oh, I want to be with you, right? So I want to love oh. you. Okay, cool, right? <laughs> Let's just say, you know, I don't know how she sounds. I want to be with you, Kashmir, right? And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, cool, that's what's up. And then she's like, but, you know, I, you know, I have a lot of things going on and I'd like to, you know, to prenup, right? Yeah. For me, I'm like, well, that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got, you got all this, like, you're going to, you're going to get more. Not only do you have way more than me now. Because of who you are, you're going to continue to get more. Mm -hmm. There's no reason that I should partake in that, right? Mm -hmm. I can see that. However, let's say Diddy you wants to marry Erica. Erica 
Well, let me ask. I don't know. My wife a little different. Let's just say she, she, she wants to marry the random girl on the block, right? That girl is, yeah, she understands that that's Diddy. Yeah, she understands that he had multi-millions, maybe even billions, including assets way before they met. But if she was in his life during his next two albums and when he relaunched uh, <laughs> uh, Sean John skincare, whatever, she's going to be like, I, I gave you love and support during that time. I should be owed a piece of all of the of the everything because I provided a world around you that allowed you to think and create freely. And that's, that is literally okay. a woman viewpoint. So I'm just saying okay. it, ain't, it ain't fair going into it. Cause one person is going to be like, yeah, I'm good with that other person. It's really, we got to really be tactful how we present it. When we present it, the tone, take you out to dinner before, like it's gotta be a whole world that we create around the prenup conversation y'all just throw it out in the middle of watching tv by the way before we get married want a prenup all right whatever turn the game up <laughs> quiet quiet yeah. i'm just saying i'm just saying i mean you are, you're not wrong you're not wrong uh <laughs> I, I'm still a conversation that need to be had. <laughs> you ain't wrong about how I might go down. <laughs> and, and, and let me say, I'm not trying to generalize all men and women. I'm pretty sure there's some women that might be 100% fine with it either way that the conversation goes. And there could be some men that are more in their emotions and feelings about it um, either way that it goes. So I'm not trying to generalize everybody. I'm just saying you... You know, you want to talk statistics, you know, 50 percent. I'm saying more than 50 percent of women most likely are going to have an issue with that conversation. That's, yeah. you know, that's it. And, and you know, men, I'm going to be honest, we weak when it comes to women. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Once, especially if we trying to get at her and she start batting those eyelashes and it just mm -hmm. sounds like you're already saying that we're going to. I mean, I don't know. Like, you know, we're going to be like, I mean, I, all right. All right. We'll just, you know. <laughs> Sometimes folks be trying to have that conversation. Yeah, baby, you gonna sign a prenup, boy. You got two thousand dollars in your bank account. Why did you sign a prenup? You yeah, yeah. Your... But it's my two thousand dollars. <laughs> I worked hard for that. <laughs> I had to work like six, 12 hour shifts to get right. that. <laughs> Bless his heart. Oh, but, but I, I do understand what you're saying, though. And it, it definitely are. We are moving in that direction because you're right. Women are doing amazing. They are making a significant amount of money with degrees and without. You know, without some just without. starting up great businesses. Um, you know, I got friends whose uh, wives are the breadwinners because they have some great business idea. And boom, they've been in six figures since year one, you know, of this new business venture. And and the man is still like, he's doing his thing, but he's not smooth sailing like she is. And, you know, then they have to have that understanding of, um, you know, how we work this thing out. It ain't it ain't the uh, the traditional method of things, but it still uh, still can work. You know, all of this business and, and financial and corporate and gamesmanship and tactics conversations has me wondering, along with the puppy that's right with you, what? does Dr. Nikki Smith do to, to, to disconnect from all of this? 
to unwind, for hobbies, to relax. I, I see one. I see one right there. What <laughs> else? Beautiful dog, by the way. What what do you do when it's time to shut the corporate life and all the analytics down and I just need some me time? I go to Greece for two weeks. Or I go to Bali or I go to Africa. That was a that was, I was gonna say a light flex. That was a heavy flex right there. <laughs> That was a heavy flex, right? If you was closer, I have to hold your collar. I have to hold your collar up on that one. That was get down, okay, get down. Yeah, I um, you know, I as you know, I'm I got stamps on my passport. Hey, so. Yeah, I work I work pretty hard to go and do where I you know, travel the way I want to and, and yeah. very blessed in that I've seen some amazing parts of the world and got some amazing experiences. Um, so those, those are planned unwinds on a day to day. Um, I mean, let's see my auntie's I'm still on. on here. Let's see. My <laughs> She's still watching. <laughs> Oh, no grandmother be looking. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, um, you know, I listen to uh, you know, it really helps me like lo-fi hip hop beats. Like mm. I just listen to a meditation zone and just listen to some lo-fi and yeah. read a good book. Um, I'm reading a really, really dope book right now. Um, my auntie's still on here, so I probably can't take this. Uh-huh. But <laughs> but read. Um yeah, and I watch silly TV, um, like cartoons, like Bob's Burgers, and that's I love Bob's Burgers. I love Bob's. I was just watching it right before this. Uh, <laughs> um, other favorite character. Um, Louise. Louise. Yeah. Mine changes, but I think recently I'm I'm leaning towards Jean. Gene is the king of one-liners. I just, I love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? Teddy is really good at one-liners. He's really yes. Um, But. And so, yeah, I watch. Um, and plus, I, I, you know, I have my nephew, Adea. So we get to playing Legos and stuff all the time. Um, taking care of him is like uh, a really cool thing to to be able to do and to see him grow and blossom and it just it's like I feel like a kid I get to play with somebody so (laughs) that's awesome All right, so last question before we conclude because I think a lot of people struggle with this and listening to your lifestyle I would assume that maybe it's a struggle for you as well but living in such a, a pressurized corporate world and also having organizations that you lead and head up and responsible for teams and and uh, uh, planning and so many different facets of your business life when you finally do unplug how successful are you at being present or does your mind constantly stray back in to dealing with the problems dealing with the thinking about all the things or are you able to really get away from it and focus on those Legos? Um, 
it's really hard to do when I'm at home um, because I work from home. And so separating work and home life is difficult because while a day is in the tub playing, you know, with his transformers, I'm checking an email real quick or yeah. I'm doing something, you know. And so it's it's difficult. It's easier to do when I travel because I don't take my work laptop. Um, so, yeah, so it's easy for me to unplug when I'm gone. Um, but, yeah, I, I think also getting outside more. So, you know, one of the things I wanted to be able to do is just be able to get more fresh air. And I started to notice that um, I wasn't, like, literally leaving my house for a long time, for several days. <laughs> and so, yeah, but I walk cane around the neighborhood every day. I mean, we go, but now we're doing three walks a day. So I can go on my, like, at noon, I, I block my calendar from noon to one, and mm. I go outside. And that helps me refocus on something else instead of just thinking I'm, like, very intentional about taking my lunch break. Um yeah. And taking time to go get some air and go get some fresh air. Because when I can, when I discipline and train my mind to even unplug for just an hour, it helps in those other situations where I really feel like I need to be present. I need to not be thinking about work. And I'm trying to do better at that too, because Jeff thinks I work a lot. Um, like I literally like am in front of my laptop, either I'm working on something for the business or I'm working on work work stuff um so i'm trying to also make sure we have our dates and date nights and i cook dinner and we eat at the table and like all those yeah. things too um as well so yeah and if, if he says it it's true it's yeah. true it's true yeah. because because yeah. we, we you and i are very similar and erica tells me that like you're always working and and sometimes i don't notice it because it doesn't always feel like work Mm -hmm. And so yeah. because of it, yeah, you, you can, I just kind of dip and I'm pretty sure you too, like you can dip in and out of it so often throughout the day. And to you, it just kind of feels like, oh no, I had that thought. Oh no, I'll write down that idea. Oh, mm -hmm. that thing. And to so to the person on the outside, it's like, man, you've been on this all day. To you, it's like, not really. I, mm -hmm. <laughs> I really did nothing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so. I, I do yeah. understand. He, he challenged me because I also work on the weekends. Like mm -hmm. I'm in front of my laptop all the time. So yeah. he was like, um, you know, we challenged me to not open my laptop on Saturday. And I did good. I did not open my laptop. I did not even open my laptop all weekend until I had to be on this call with you yesterday. Look so. at you. <laughs> Very good. Well played, Jeff. Well played. <laughs> All right, little cuz, I appreciate you. Great conversation. Do you feel vindicated? Yes. Do you feel like yes? That's what I wanted. That, there it is. We good. We good yeah. now. We good. <laughs> All right. I appreciate you. Good luck with the event. I know it's gonna be amazing. I pray that people are blessed through it and from it. And uh keep doing the great work. You you out there. You out there. Thank you. Very Thank proud you. of you. Thank you. Love you, cousin. Have All a good right, one. Bye. Okay, bye-bye. All right, you guys, that's episode 49 of the Pod is Good podcast. I hope you enjoyed that. That was incredible. Great information, great conversation around business. If anybody is moving forward in their business life or going through different struggles or feeling like they're the only ones dealing with having to play this game, having to walk this line that no one else does, trust me, you're not alone. A lot of us deal with it. 
black people, brown people, a lot of people that are the minority. Sometimes we might even be the majority of the company, but we might be the minority in the upper echelon and that C-suite and that, you know, you know what I'm talking about. And so we, we feel away sometimes. So just know, be encouraged. There is a path. You will overcome. You will get where you are trying to get. You just got to persevere, figure out that game, figure out how to play it, figure out how you get the chip stacked more in your favor and keep pushing, the, keep pushing those buttons. You'll get there. That is, uh, that's all I got for y'all today. Continue to watch. If you enjoyed the content, please subscribe. Please subscribe to the channel. Like, comment, subscribe, all that fun stuff. At least one of them. Give me that. Give me that. We working hard over here, okay? We working hard just for y'all. I appreciate y'all. Everyone that watches from here going forward, we appreciate you greatly um, in, in all that you do. And joining into the chat is incredible. Even the emails that we get about the show, the, the ideas, the suggestions, love all of it. Please keep it coming. It keeps us moving. Until next time, I am Cashman California. This is the Notorious P.I.G. Oh, I forgot to do it with Nikki. I'm going to do it next time. Pod is good. And all the time, peace out.